right, we're rocking and rolling now. Welcome back to the big program. Time now for On the Mark, powered by Booster Juice. You can visit a location today to refuel, refresh, and re-energize or download their new Booster Juice Rewards app to earn, order, and enjoy as we welcome in our 8 o'clock contributor, Monday to Friday, Mark Spector from Rogers Sportsnet. Good morning, Spec. I can't believe I'm... 58 years old, I'm a grandpa, and I start every day listening to ACDC, Have a Drink on Me. I used to start every day like that when I was in high school, for Pete's sakes. Some things never change. <laughs> some things never change, Spec. So what do you, uh, do you want some, uh, I could get you some Count Basie if you want. No, 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 keeps me young, man. A little bit of ACDC is good for the soul. Uh, what is it? You know, I mean, and there are guys that are probably... 75 years old and great grandfathers that are starting their day with ACDC too. I hope so. I hope so. Why wouldn't you? Man, that's going to be me one day. Did you ever see them in concert? (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. Back at, uh, would have been a Rexall, I guess, uh, whatever it was called when they came through. Yeah. I I think I've only seen them once. You know, I didn't see that show at Commonwealth where it rained so hard. Mm. I guess they played right through a wicked rainy night all night. It was great. Uh, but I have seen them, and uh, what I remember of that concert, Kev, it was really good. <laughs> <laughs> what do you remember of it? Uh, have you? What What would be some of the top concerts you've seen over the years in certain locales? And I mean, even at, at Commonwealth, there's been some doozies over the years. But like, uh, yeah. have you got some off the yeah. top of your head? Yeah, for sure. When we were kids, uh, they had the rock circuses came through, and they were like, for those who don't remember or aren't old enough. They put on a concert with like six bands at Commonwealth Stadium, oh. and uh, they'd have floor seating, but it would only go to about the 20-yard line on one end. Then the whole end zone was open grass, so you'd go there, on a, it would like be on a Saturday. They'd start at 1 in the afternoon and go till midnight or whatever. There's a lot of good bands came through there. Uh, you'd play Frisbee in the end zone and listen to live music the whole day, so it was awesome. Uh, I think one of my most memorable would have been uh, when I was in like, I don't know what the years were, probably like 79, 80, 81, 80, 81, two. Van Halen came through three years in a row. Their first album, their second album, and whatever the third tour was. And uh, that was back when David Lee Roth was like the premier frontman in all of rock and roll and and you know, Eddie Van Halen was winning the guitar player, player of the year award every single year. That was pretty cool. And in between man, all, all kinds of, I remember one time we got fourth row on the floor for black Sabbath. And we thought, man, this is awesome. <laughs> then we got there and realized we were in like seats one through four and we were about 15 feet away from this bank of speakers, like the size of, uh, you know, the yeah. size of a three-story building. Oh. <laughs> I don't think I could hear for two weeks. <laughs> uh, a text, texter comes in spec on the topic from Lee. My 78-year-old dad plays them uh, ACDC all the time. He gets in his truck and cranks who made who. So you're not alone. <laughs> that great? Awesome, man. Yeah. That's you, my you know, guy right there. Speck, I saw, I saw Paul Simon in Calgary a long time ago. Ooh. And uh, hey. at the time, I think you would remember, the mayor of Calgary was Al Dewar. Does that name okay. ring a bell? Yeah. So, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, he was the mayor of Calgary. And anyway, Paul Simon comes on and he sings, uh, You Can Call Me Al. And then he stops at the end of the song and he goes, 
Oh, I forgot I was going to dedicate that song to Mayor Eldur and wear a white cowboy hat. Let's play it again. So they went back to back. Uh, you can call me <laughs> Play all. it twice. Played it twice. The place went bananas. <laughs> ah, oh. That's awesome. Hey, those are all good shows, man. And, and tons of fun in the day. And uh, you know what? Live music. I'll, I'll still go to live music every oh. chance I get. Speaking of good shows, it was a good show to see Connor Bedard come out of the gates last night with a goal that was... You know, not many guys in the NHL can score, let alone an 18-year-old. Yep. It was phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. like I was thinking last night as I wrote the piece, you know, it's hard. I don't want to call this guy like one of the great golf scorers of all time. He's only 18. But you know what? I've been blessed as a view to see some of the great goal scorers of all time. Like Joe Sackick's wrist shot was, you know, one of the purest wrist shots I've ever seen. Uh, Brett Hall could take a puck that game. There was no bad pass ever for Brett Hall. He could wire any one timer at 90 miles an hour, no matter where you pass it to him. Um, obviously, Yerry Curry, Mark Messier, you know, more recently Ovechkin. But none of those guys scored a goal that looked like that goal we saw last night. That was a, a unique, uh, you know, from backhand to forehand, no backswing and no follow through, really. And that thing went top shelf at maximum speed. That's not a goal that I can say I've seen anyone score before. It was, I thought, Kev, you know, for all of those people, 18,000 of them came to see this new shiny toy in Connor Bedard. That's what they came to see. And he gave it to you three minutes in. And then so did the Oilers captain respond, Connor McDavid. with yep. He was flying again, you know, circling around. He yep. had the wheels going, some great passes. Uh, I think the fans yep. got what they wanted to see last night. Well, I think you could see from even our seats far away, Kevin, you're just sitting down for me. Yeah. Carter McDavid came back after that Bedard goal and, and played like a guy that was saying, hold on here, this is my building, this is going to be my show, we're going to win, yeah. and they're not going to leave here saying Carter Bedard outplayed Carter McDavid, right? He uh, he took control. I thought Zach Hyman had a, a you know, a a very rare kind of clumsy night. He didn't bury a couple. He, his passes weren't working. Uh, he could have had three on Connor McDavid fees last night. He did have one, but I thought Connor, I thought McDavid flexed his muscles after that. Didn't you? I did. And I think that one goal you're talking about, Hyman had sort of an empty net. He was on his forehand right in the crease and that puck, yeah. the puck was just a little inside to his hands. And yeah. he couldn't make yeah. that adjustment, but every the whole building thought it was in because it hit the side, the outside well, of the net. And because it was, it was, it was Zach Hyman at the post, and he always buries that puck. Like usually, if he doesn't get it with his stick, he stops it with his leg or his foot, and then he puts it in. Hey, listen, I'm not here to to beat on Zach no. Hyman, man. He's leading the team in goals. He's having a great year, and he's a fantastic player. He just didn't have the you know the goals last night that he's had this year. But whatever, he's. We're not beating up Zach. Not at all. That's that's yeah. for sure. I mean, sixteen. He's 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 going to get forty again, barring injury. But he's just been. And again, wherever he plays, whatever line he's on, like if yep. he's playing with Leon, Leon's going, and he's playing with Connor. Connor's going. I mean, that line right now, you just can't break him up. Maybe you saw last night with Coach K switching the centers with Leon and Ryan McLeod. He just you can't afford to to break up Hyman. Nugent Hopkins and McDavid because they're just going so well. Yeah, I think that's true for sure. And, and I think, uh, you know, Connor Brown, they've been, had him on dry saddles wing and, and I don't, I haven't liked McLeod's game still. He's still, there's not much there. Um, 
Leon's kind of taking one for the team a little bit here. Him and Kane mm-hmm. are together, but I sense some frustration in Leon Drysaddle right now. I think he's, you know, he's. This is typical. There's just not a, when you got two centers like that. There's never enough wingers to go around, and um, you know what? It's. I just thought Leon looked frustrated last night, didn't you? At times, I did, and yeah. whenever that's been happening or you could always go well let's put leon and connor together and everyone's a big happy family once again but again right right now you just i mean that line between r and h mcdavid and and hyman's going so well it's tough and i mean the oilers thought with connor brown and connor brown's doing so many good things he's just not scoring he needs to get a little dirtier in the in the blue he needs to do that but it's it's got to come he's he's been all around it it is he's playing he's got the puck in his tape more and more uh, he is doing all those baseline things in the game that you bought him, that you got him here for. He's killing penalties exceptionally well. Uh, he's playing pretty strong defensively, all that. At some point, you're paying him four million bucks. You want some points here. I get that. And that's always the last thing to come. And really, that's all that's left in his game now to start coming. Uh, he had some looks last night. Didn't go in, but that's kind of why you're you're keeping Drysaddle and Kane with them. You're trying to give the guy a chance to find himself a goal here and there. It's got to come, Kev, for this guy, right? It's got to come. You would think so. The Oilers are almost in a similar position where they've been for the last several years, though. They've had five really good top six players, like exceptional, like yep. league leading uh, in your top yeah. six, but they haven't been able to find that sixth guy yet. Well, you know, who has six? I don't know. Find me a team in yeah. find me a team in the league with six totally legit top six players in a cap system. I don't think there is a single team that has six guys where the sixth guy is better than Connor Brown, right? Sorry. Yeah. Like you, it's, you don't get that. And if you do, you got no defensemen or you got no goalies or you got no bottom six. Like you can't just go out and buy you know a, a legit top six guy makes four to five million bucks minimum right you gotta have you know i know all the orders guys do and that's why they're in a cap jail a little bit but listen you just it's a luxury nobody else has why would the orders have it i I just look at it okay they they thought connor brown could be this guy and he still might well be uh dylan holloway will be back in a couple of weeks maybe he can be that guy so uh, take the money out of it and don't look at connor brown's bonus money next year that's why they thought, yeah. okay, for this year, a guy could make seven seventy-five. He could be that sixth guy. And Dylan Holloway, yep. you know, there's still a chance. we got lots of runway left here. Yeah, maybe. Let's see with Dylan Holloway. I mean, they got some mm-hmm. issues here, you know, as we go on. I don't see McLeod's game getting any better. Uh, you know, so you're kind of already thinking, what do you need at the trade deadline, right? You're not going out and getting another top six guy. Like What they need is some depth. Their fourth line right now is outstanding. But as Sam Gagne said last night, it's the first time my career I've been the tallest guy in my line. <laughs> and he's not six feet. So I don't, you know, I get it. They're just trying to win hockey games right now. They're not trying to win a Stanley Cup here in, in December. I understand that. And the fourth line is helping a ton. It's really, really good. But I think that line needs to, they need to do some things with that bottom six before we get to a, the playoffs. And that's down the road. I get it. But there's got to be, you know, do you move McLeod down, make him your fourth line center and try to acquire a third line center? That might be what you do. Where does Holloway fit into this thing when he comes back? Let's see. He's, you know, got a lot of, got a rehab here. Uh, so let's see where it goes. Let's just enjoy the fact right now they're they're back in the hunt. They're a, a for sure wild card team right now. And 
Uh, boy, the team's playing pretty good hockey, Kev. Rogers Sportsnet's Mark Spector with us uh, every day, 8 o'clock on Sports 1440 for Booster Juice. Um, and, you know, you did mention Sam Gagne, and I, I don't think you can ask much more of what you're getting out of Sam Gagne. He's got seven points, 14 games, four goals, three assists. He's a plus yep. two. That fourth line, James Hamlin's playing very well right now, and it's giving the, the coach options to throw them out. And you saw last night, and again, Chicago's lineup, that's – it's a borderline NHL lineup. It, let's be honest. Yeah. But yep. that fourth line, you saw them cycle, had some ozone time. You know, they were very good last night. Yeah, I think it's probably time to do the run the stats on McDavid and Drysaddle's ice time, you know, prior to Knobloch arriving and after he's arrived. It seems to me, Connor, they've played a lot more games where they're winning and they're not chasing games, and the fourth line gets to play more, right? Knobloch's using his fourth line. They're earning that ice time. And the offshoot is Connor McDavis having a lot more 21-minute nights than 24-minute nights, uh, which is just fine at this time of year. So, listen, it's that's what you want in a good team. I thought last night, Kevin, you really saw sort of the metaphor for what's going on here with his team. They played track meet hockey. It was summer hockey in the first period. <laughs> Fun to watch. But it was two teams trading chances all period long. The orders went in their room. They said, look, you guys, if we just play our solid defensive game and and play the way we can play, we'll beat this team absolutely for sure. We don't need to be in a track meet. The track meet favors Chicago, not us. And they came out and allowed nine shots. I think it was nine shots in the last two periods. Mm-hmm. And one going away had no trouble. Absolutely controlled the game. In the old days, that game ends 7-4, and we're talking about a four or five-point night for Connors McDavid. Uh, this time it's a little more boring at 4-1, but, oh, boy, that was a decisive win. They didn't they didn't give Chicago a sniff in the last 40 minutes. It could have been 4-3 for either team after 20 minutes. That's the way that first yes. period went. Yeah. During the game spec, it was announced that the St. Louis Blues make a coaching change. Craig Berube, you've interviewed him many times. Uh, yeah. From, from Callahoo, so you go from... You know, being the answer midway through the season and take a team to winning the Stanley yeah. Cup to getting canned. What did you make of that move last night? Well, hey, I can tell we don't know a lot of things for sure in sports, but I do know for sure that every single coach who gets hired, it ends the same way, <laughs> right? <laughs> every one of them gets fired at the end. So I, I can't remember the last one that walked away on his own choice. <laughs> so is it Scotty know, I, Bowman? I've been trying to think too. Like, I mean, I have no clue. I don't know. In, in hockey know, anyway. Probably been one, but the point I'm making is that's yeah. how it ends for everybody. So, you know what? They call him chief. Uh, Bruby's just been a fantastic coach there. He won a Stanley cup. His time comes to an end. They, I guess they think they're better in St. Louis. I've not looked at that St. Louis team and thought, Oh boy, that team should challenge for the central. Frankly, they're a wild card team in the standings today. And really that's how I see them. But I guess Doug Armstrong thinks that they should be better. That's fair. And it's kind of funny. Drew Bannister is going to be their coach. I haven't even heard that name for ages. I remember when he was a <laughs> defenseman on a very bad orders team. He was he was on a bad that was a bad uh, few years for an Oilers teams for sure. I mean, uh, a big mid decade of darkness, as I recall. It was a lot. Well, he's he's an Ontario guy. He ended up playing here in ninety six, ninety seven. So okay, but 
Yeah, he and he wasn't here that long too. He was just here a little bit, but I'm not blaming it all. No, anyway, I mean, holy. so I don't know what happens. Who goes in there? Who they hire? I mean, uh, does Jay Woodcroft get an interview? Does he want an interview at this stage of of time? Uh, you know, all good questions, but mm-hmm. uh, you know what, Bruby's and Bruby should coach again. I think he's proven himself a pretty darn good coach, hasn't he? I would think so. Um, again, any guy that you know, they had that. Something caught fire with them, you know, right over Christmas. And, you know, when they won the Stanley Cup, they went on. I mean, that was a historic run that they went on, you know. Historic, they, yeah. the, You know, they had, similar to Ben Stelter here, you know, they had the little girl with cancer there, and they kind of yep. rallied around her and everything, you know. It was just a feel-good story for, for St. Louis uh, to win the Stanley Cup. And, again, for a team that had never won before, that was that was the big, big thing. Yeah, listen, I always cheer for a fan base, and, and that fan base, oh. they came in, in in the second wave of expansion back in, what was that, 67 maybe? Mm-hmm. I think it was 67, and they were one of the, you know, they came out of that Western Conference, which back in the old days, kids, <laughs> was basically, they had the, the six original teams in the East and the six expansion teams in the West, which included like Pittsburgh and Philly, I think. California and, Golden Seals. Yeah, L.A. Kings and all that. So St. Louis won that division. Then they'd go to the Stanley Cup and get beaten four by everybody. Boston all the was. time. Yeah, at Boston, Montreal. I think I think they went to two or three cups, didn't win a game. So the point is, they've been around a long time. They never won. It was awesome that they did win. Good for that fan base. They've been a long time waiting for it. Um, and it was a fun cup, right? There was yeah. a lot of fun in that cup. and. Hey, now they're back where everybody else is, man, trying to get back in the dance. Yeah, you know, just a quick story, Spec. It reminds me, uh, uh, Glenn Hall told it. So what you're talking about, whoever won the, the West just got pounded by, usually it was the Bruins or Montreal or whatever. Yep. And Bobby Orr scored that goal, remember, when he goes flying through the yep. air? So that that goal was scored on Glenn Hall when he was playing for St. Louis. But Glenn Hall's yep. line, Glenn Hall's famous line was, by the time Bobby had uh, soared through the air and hit the ice, I had showered and gone home. <laughs> <laughs> it probably had a smoke and a beer too, oh, man. <laughs> in the dressing room. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, Speck. Oh, I had. I tried to. I'm trying to find one. Uh, oh, tell Speck. I'm. This is from Dean. Tell Speck. I'm 66 and still listen to Guns and Roses and Led Zeppelin. <laughs> On the way to work in the morning. <laughs> Atta, baby. That's the way to do it. <laughs> All right, Smack, thanks for this. We'll see you down at the rink, if not uh, today, tomorrow. Take care, man. Sounds good, Kev. See you, man. That's uh, On The Mark, powered by and energized by Booster Juice. You can get the boost you need at Booster Juice. And check out the website, boosterjuice.com. It's everything you need. Uh, and, boy, they're delicious, nutritious, refreshing. All of the above. Uh, we'll get to some of your texts when we come back, and plus some more Oilers sound. Maybe we'll hear from Sam Gagne. Kind of a funny clip last night that's coming up on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. <laughs> well, there's the GNR Duke. Gotta love that. 824 in Edmonton, minus two, looking for a high of plus seven. A little birdie told me, Duke, that there might be another golf course in the Edmonton area open today. Another, a second. I'm going to find that out. I'm going to text my buddy Kevin Hogan shortly and find out exactly what's going on uh, to see there might be another, some tea times available today because it's going up to plus seven on December 14th. 
Text coming in, 1-833-401-1440. Glenn Sather was never fired. We're talking about coaches at... Well, Mark Spector just said, every coach that's been hired has been hired to be fired, which is very, very true. I thought about Scotty Bowman. Uh, Glenn Sather never fired. Uh, Sean texts in and says, Paul Maurice resigned from the Jets. He was not fired, but I'm pretty sure that Paul Maurice was fired from the Carolina Hurricanes back in the day. And he was also coaching Toronto. Did he leave totally on his own terms? Don't know. It's a long time ago, but pretty sure he was fired in Carolina. HVAC Nick says, Gagne, seven points in 14 games. We'll get to, have we, have we got the Sam Gagne loaded up, ready to go? So Sam Gagne, seven points, 14 games. He's averaging 11 minutes. This comes from HVAC Nick. Productive, productive. He, uh, uh, most productive guy with what he's given outside the top five. Uh, and, uh, you know, you, you can't ask much more. And, I mean, Sam Gagne, he's had the hip surgeries. He got, when he got signed, people were upset. When he got called up from Bakersfield, people were upset. Well, all he's done is seven points in 14 games. He had a goal and an assist last night. The, the assist on the uh, own goal. I, I mean, if you want to get an assist on that, that's that's that's, that's stretching the uh, second assist, uh, Mark, if you want to call it that. But after the game, here's what Sam Gagne had to say to the media. Sam, uh, the line's contributing. Yeah. contributing. How nice to feel to be chipping in uh, the way you guys have been. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think we have the ability to do that, um, you know, to, to contribute on the offensive side. But... I think uh, our main objective is is to make sure that we're playing good defensively, giving our team good minutes, and and um, you know trying to tilt the ice so that you know when our big guys get out there, it, you know they're at a advantageous situation. And um, you know I feel like we've been playing well, um, but you know gotta gotta stay on it. Your line hasn't given up been on the ice for very many goals against either. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, no, that's um, you know that's our main objective is is be a line that can be trusted. Um, that can, um, you know, be good in the D zone, but play in the offensive zone and, and um, you know, try and cycle pucks and, yeah, create uh, advantages for the rest of our lines. So, um, you know, I think our, our whole team has done a really good job of, of that recently, of turning lines over and, and uh, leaving the line uh, that comes next with, uh, you know, something to play with. So that's, uh, that's got to be our focus. The first period was a bit of a track meet mm -hmm. kind of summer hockey-ish yeah. uh, was there a message in here between periods because it changed after that yeah yeah certainly not uh the game that uh that we want to play I think um you know it's it's understandable uh you know we've had a good stretch here and um you know it's human nature to to kind of have a period like that every so often but I thought we did a really good job of um uh talking about it and making sure that we got back to the way that um you know, we, we know we're successful with. I thought Stu did a great job of allowing us to find our game. Uh, and, you know, we went from there. When you see a guy like Connor Bedard come through, does it bring back memories for you being 18 and starting in the league and just, yeah. kind of, you know, figuring out yeah. and finding your way through everything? Yeah, I mean, uh, certainly a lot different circumstance for him, um, you know, being as highly touted as he is. And, and, you know, the start he's had has been incredible, I think. Um, you know, as much as, uh, you know, people talked about you know, what he was going to do as an 18-year-old, I think he's even exceeded expectations. So it's been really impressive to watch. And, um, you know, it's always fun playing against guys like that. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's really impressive, um, you know, being able to get it off that quickly, that hard uh, and tight. It's, uh, it's really impressive.
Sam, you, you signed here to come and try and make this team. Mm -hmm. Everybody knew, you know, the the things you were trying to fight through, mm -hmm. stint in the A. Yep. You know, you're in the lineup here. You're contributing regularly. Just maybe a thought on big picture here on standing here and still still doing this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's been a a long road to get to this point. Um, you know, it was, it was a really long summer and. Um, but I, I knew what I was committed to, um, and um, you know I, I, I wanted to be here and, and helping this team win. And um, it's uh, you know it's a good good feeling to contribute in wins, but you know we've got a long ways left to go. And um, you know personally, I gotta I gotta keep pushing, and you know as a group as well. So um, you know it's it's been a good little run here, but uh, a lot of ways to go. That's Oilers forward Sam Gagne. 14 games played, 7 points, had a goal and an assist last night against Chicago. Big goal. Big goal with 141 left in the second period. Uh, gave the Oilers a 2-1 lead heading to the uh, second period intermission. So 141 left in the first period. And, uh, you know, it all resulted really, the key to the play was the forecheck of defensemen. Brett Kulak, who went hard on the forecheck and uh, allowed Derek Ryan to pick up a loose puck, centered out to Sam Gagne, who scored his fourth of the year, so to make a 2-1 after 20 minutes. Text coming in, one 1440 This comes from Rockford. Uh, Jacob Verana would look good on Leon's wing. Well, Jacob Verana was placed on waivers yesterday. I assume that he will clear today. He's a cap hit of $2.6 million, so the Oilers really can't make that work if you were to pick him up off of waivers. Jacob Verana had three, well, two really good seasons with the Washington Capitals uh, in 2018-19, 19-20, scored 24 and 25 goals, has faltered off a lot since he left Washington, had a decent season with uh, Detroit, but uh, injuries have plagued him. Uh, this year, just 19 games played. He's only got two goals, four assists with the Blues. Hence, he was put on waivers. Uh, here's another interesting text from a young man. We assume he's a young man. That normally texts just on Thursdays when we've got uh, Ladislav Schmid here. This is from the Hammer. And he wants to trade Ryan McLeod for Morgan Frost. So whenever some of these outlandish trades come about, Duke, what do we play? Anyway, as I was lying in the puddle, I, I think I may have found a way for us to get Bonds and Griffey, and we wouldn't have to give up that much. Well, don't tell it to me, George. Tell it to the new assistant to the general manager. Hammer, come on, man. So, why on earth would Philadelphia trade Morgan Frost? For one, the only thing that makes any remote sense here is contract. Morgan Frost makes approximately the same as what Ryan McLeod does. But, I mean, Morgan Frost is, I mean, he scored almost 20 goals last year. I mean, 19 goals, 27 assists. Why on earth, Hammer, would Philadelphia trade Morgan Frost, a 24-year-old player with a well, pretty good contract, team-friendly contract, if you want to call it that? Why would they want to trade him to the Edmonton Oilers? He's got two years left at $2.1 million, similar to what uh, Ryan McLeod has. Uh, 
uh, where are we going, Duke? We got uh, coming up at eight uh, eight forty. We got Darcy Gulbra. What do you make of that? Two players from Irma at the selection camp for Hockey Canada's junior team. The the town of Irma. I mean, we're not talking like you know, two kids from Edmonton that played in the Southside Athletic Club or two kids from Calgary or whatever. Newmarket, Ontario. This is a big deal. Yeah, it is. I mean, uh, Carson Soucy, uh, also from Irma, yeah. already in the NHL. Um, and even in that area, the, the Manville area, kind of just outside of Vermillion, also producing the likes of Kyle Calder. Uh, it, it's a hockey hotbed for sure. And the fact that there's two kids, I don't think they're the exact same age, but uh, one or, or they were both drafted this past summer, were they not? So I guess they would be the, the exact same age. That out of a town that small, the same age, ascending to the level they're at now, like, the some of the best junior players in the country. It is incredibly impressive, and and I'm I'm. It's always surprising to see it from that small of a uh, from an area. But if you've been to Irma, mm-hmm. Irma also uh, the Irma Aces, one of the teams in in senior A hockey that the uh, Delburn Outlaws play against. Um, and <laughs> Delburn they, Outlaws always no matter they're, they're, what the conversation is, the Outlaws. Well, get I in. think there's there's no degrees of separation here. It's uh the, the Aces. They're they're perennially one of the best team in the league. They they obviously have a great minor hockey program. I'm excited to hear what Darcy has to say yeah. to uh, kind of get these guys started, and then whether they go on and out and and uh, pursue you know bigger dreams uh, chasing hockey, or they just resort back and, and play some senior A puck in town. The team's always great. They've got some of the best players in the league. Um, and uh, they always seem to run our show whenever they come to town. So, uh, and I, I have a lot of friends from out in the Irma area. They're they're all great people too. So, am I surprised? No, no. but it's great to see. Uh, obviously, them having this much success. I couldn't find the most recent population of Irma, but it was around six hundred and fifty. That's it would be about ball, right. ballpark. And to your point, Jagger Furcus, he's an O four mm. uh, birthday. Jagger Furcus drafted in the second round of twenty twenty two by Seattle. Uh, Scott Ratzlaff is the other player we're talking about, the goaltender. He's in 05 and drafted last year by Buffalo in the fifth round. So one year apart, as you so eloquently mentioned, Duke. So when we come back, we will check in with um, Darcy Golbra, Irma Minor Hockey Association, coached, I believe, just one of these young guys, uh, but has probably known them his entire life. Uh, that's coming up on the Kevin Carey Show when we come back on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Let's go in the community right now uh, for United Sport and Cycle. It's the final days before Christmas, and United Sport and Cycle's last-minute Christmas sale is on right now. You can save big for the athlete or sports fan on your list as we welcome in Darcy Galbra from the Irma Minor Hockey Association. Darcy, welcome to Sports 1440. Thanks for hopping on. Well, thank you very much. Well, it's been a, a busy couple of weeks in Irma with the announcement uh, of two local players, Scott Ratzlaff and Jagger Furcus, to the selection camp for the Canadian National Junior Team, which is ongoing right now in Oakville. What was the buzz when this announcement happened? Because the the community of Irma just has to be swelling with pride. Yeah, oh, for sure. There's uh, been lots of talk around town about it, that's for sure. And we're pretty excited uh, Excited today or tomorrow, I think they're announcing the, excuse me, the final roster. But for both of them to, to be down there at the selection camp is pretty exciting for the community, that's for sure. So just as a heads up for our listeners, the U Sports All-Star team played the national team last night uh, 
two exhibition games. They'll play tonight as well. But last night, it was a 4-2 victory for the national junior team over the U-Sports squad. Now, Scott Ratzlaff, he went in. He's the goaltender. Went in halfway through the second period. The scorer was 1-1. He made 13 saves and would have picked up the win. So, I, I guess, how how much, uh, how much how are people following this in Irma to, you know, again, to see a couple of local sons uh, doing the city or doing the community proud part, proud, pardon me. Yeah, I know there's been groups of people gathering together to, to follow it um, whenever the games are, are live. And I know for the tournament coming up, there's lots of, lots of talk about uh, having watch parties and, and get togethers for that. And um, yeah, I know through the grapevine, I know there's even been a few people, price out tickets out to to where the tournament's going to be held so there's definitely lots of talk around town and uh you know we're all rooting for them and supporting them and uh hoping uh you know hoping for the best here darcy gobra irma minor hockey association is our guest on sports 1440 so darcy you've known both these young men for a long time coached one of them i believe and just touch on you know them growing up in the small town of irma yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I did uh, coach Scott when we were, he was a very, very young guy. Um, quite often laugh, it was U7, and, you know, in U7, you kind of alternate goalies every game and whatnot. They don't even wear goalie equipment. They just kind of stand there with a stick and net. And he was always bugging me to, to bring his goal, his street goaltender pads to practice, to, uh, to practice as the goalie. And, that just shows you where he was at at such a young age. He was, uh, it's always been what he wanted to do. Um, and, uh, yeah, the both of them work hard at it. I mean, uh, you know, they got talent, um, but they, you know, since young ages, they both both worked extremely hard to uh, training and honing in on their skills to get where they are. So um, they definitely deserve it and uh, no shortage of work ethic at, uh, on their part to get where they are. So, Darcy, how did it work when they were growing up playing minor hockey in Irma? Uh, I assume that at some point, to get better competition, they both had to leave. Uh, so just kind of touch on on that aspect of their journey to where they are now. Sure. Um, I think they both played in Irma until U13. I believe they both played U13 here um, as underagers. Uh, they never played on the same team, actually. Jagger's just a touch older so they uh, they were out. Scott was always kind of uh, one one group below them, but uh, they always played as underagers just to kind of give themselves a bit more competition. And then uh, I think both of them actually ended up at one point playing playing in Wainwright on the in the AA program there, which is about 20 minutes down the road from us. And then and then I think U15 um, they ended up heading to Lloyd to go to the AAA program in Lloyd. So. That's kind of the step, and then uh, from there they they moved on. Uh, Jagger off to Moose Jaw and mm-hmm. Scott to Seattle at uh, young ages, so they did did good. So, what about their upbringing? I'm sure, like everyone knows, everybody in Irma. So, the the commitment that all the the parents and the, the grandparents and the, and the friends and the family had to make for these two young guys to help them on their journey, I, I would assume it's it's a it's a real collective effort. Oh yes, yeah. To get uh, you know, especially when you're playing in Lloyd, there's <clears throat> kind of that's kind of the pipeline for us. Is that's the direction we have to go once you uh, hit that level. So um, it's about an hour and ten minutes 
from here. So they're driving, you know, two, three, sometimes four times a week uh, to practice um, until U18. Then they start billeting there. But it is definitely a big commitment. We have, uh, you know, they're not the first ones. We have other families still to this day making that commitment and drive um, to do that. But uh, I guess if you're chasing your dream and that's, you know, what you want to do and you're at that level, that's the commitment uh, you have to do. So definitely they have a lot of support or communities behind them for sure. They're very proud of, uh, proud of these two boys and uh, there's, yeah, lots of support for them. That's for sure. We're going in the community for United Sport and Cycle and focusing on the, well, the town of Irma, two young players, Scott Ratzlaff, Jagger Furcus on the national junior team selection camp going on in Oakville right now. The U Sports team uh, made up of all-stars from across the country, including three Alberta Golden Bears. Uh, one of them, Dylan Plouffe, got an assist last night in the 4-2 loss, uh, U Sports losing to uh, the national team. But for Scott Ratzlaff, Jagger Furcus, this could be what is the start of uh, – you know, something that they will remember for the rest of their lives. Uh, the town of Irma, again, just exceptionally proud to have these two young gentlemen being from there. Can you kind of touch on, uh, as we're speaking uh, with uh, Darcy Gobra from the Irma Minor Hockey Association, Darcy, can you touch on, what's? can you explain to our listeners, what's the, the rink like in Irma? Is it sort of a, a meeting point every kind of night with minor hockey and all the parents and everyone kind of getting together? Yeah, for sure. It's definitely a hub of our community. Um, come, uh, you know, October through till the end of March, generally. It's, uh, uh, I can't tell you exactly how many teams we have this year, but for, you know, our community is only 500 people, around 500 people, mostly agriculture and uh, a lot of oil fields around here. And it is, yeah, it's a very central point of our uh, our community, that's for sure. It's an old hip roof barn. Um <laughs> Well, yeah, the old style. It's a uh, little chilly some some mornings when you get in there, but uh, there we are actually in process of uh, hopefully starting a a fund here and uh, maybe within the next few years looking at uh, replacing it. But um, yeah, if you if you're not, you know, there's the old saying in Irma: if you're not at the Ball Diamonds in the summer, or the rink in the winter time. Uh, what are you you're doing? Probably not in town. So <laughs> it's uh, and it is you know it's very true. For both of them boys, too, I know, you know, when they were off in Lloyd or wherever playing, um, you come there on a Sunday afternoon to Shinny, and most times if they were home, they're out there with their friends and, you know, all the little guys out there skating around at Shinny. So um, it definitely is a place where where the town gathers and, and uh, kids, you know, we laugh, kids grow up at the rink. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, Darcy Gobra from the Irma Minor Hockey Association, our guest on Sports 1440. You know, and you mentioned fastball, Darcy. We had a whole segment talking about you know how and why Irma is one of the top fastball hotspots in uh, Alberta. Uh, can you touch on just that and hockey, and why is Irma such a great little sports town? Uh, you know, I I think it is a lot to do with the people of the community. Um, it takes a lot of hard work and effort to. You know, we we enjoy and we take pride in hosting events, whether it's the GPLS uh, ball or, you know, hosting a provincial event or in the summer, August long weekend, we have Irma Days, which is a a curling bond spill and slow pitch tournament weekend. And, um, you know, the community just takes pride in in them events and hosting and 
it's a lot of volunteer and uh, hard work. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just something, you know, we've, we've always just grown up with that. And, uh, and, you know, we take, you know, we like to win like any other rural community around here. We're not, we're not alone in any of this. All the, you know, rural communities I feel are, uh, uh, very prideful in, in their sports and their teams. So, uh, it's just, I don't know. You just kind of grow up with it, I guess. Well, you know, I, when I was working at global TV, Years ago, um, I believe it was when Carson Soucy, who is from Irma as well, made his debut with the Minnesota Wild, and I, I, I just because it says where where he was born, I said uh, Carson Soucy from Viking, Alberta. Boy, did I get an earful from a lot, <laughs> yeah. a, a lot of list, a lot of viewers, because that's yeah. you know he's he's not from Viking. He, he this is an Irma guy, right? Yeah, yeah, he would have been probably born there. There's a hospital there, yeah. so. Uh... That's probably probably what happens. But yeah, I was thinking last night we were joking. We don't really we don't uh, make any community events too often. The night uh, Seattle or the Canucks or Moose Jaw is playing in Edmonton, because uh, those nights mostly half our communities up in Edmonton watching the games. So town's pretty pretty uh, deserted them nights. Um, anyone else uh, off the top of your head, you know, kind of go on from uh, Irma to, you know, whether it be major junior or, or whatever, or, you know, fastball, things like that, uh, Dars? We had, uh, I can't give you the names of all the boys, but uh, we had quite a few representatives on the fastball national team here a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> Parker McKay, I guess, comes to mind. He's another one. Um, he went off to play in the NCAA and, and uh we got yeah we got a few more coming up the pipeline our female program here is really strong too so we got mm. we have some good uh female players out playing playing uh, in some academies and in the high high leagues there so uh yeah definitely we got we got kids out and about doing doing pretty good at things but um you never know i guess we're at the end of the day we're where they all but we uh yeah, we work hard, and mm-hmm. we're proud of proud of these kids that are out. I was trying to find the population, uh, Darcy. The last I got was about 550 of Irma. Yeah, that's very close. I think, uh, you know, rural or uh, there's a farming community mm-hmm. around it, but I, that's what we generally say, approximately 500 people, yeah. And one last one for you. This is a text coming in, one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty from AZ. Uh, who was the last player from Irma that made the World Junior Team? Uh, are these the first two? Can you answer that one, Dars? I would suspect these would be the first two, yeah, for sure. Well, we're going to be watching tonight and tomorrow when the announcement comes, and hopefully Irma has a pair of uh, world junior players uh, heading to Gothenburg, Sweden, and then, man, I guess you're going to have, as you said, a few people from town are going to might be heading over to Sweden. Yeah, hopefully. That would be great. And, you know, either way, if they... They get there or not, I know the community's proud of them, and it's a good accomplishment uh, even to get where they are right now. So, um, yeah, no, that sounds great. Thanks for thanks for phoning. Uh, yeah, morning. and thanks thanks for coming on. Uh, really appreciate your time. Thanks, Darcy. You got her. Thanks a lot. That's uh, Darcy Goldbra, Irma Minor Hockey Association, and. We went in the community, and that is a com- that's a community. That's a sports community uh, for United Sports and Cycle. Final days uh, before Christmas, and it's uh, your last minute Christmas sale on at United Sport and Cycle. Uh, text coming in from maintenance man. P 
People are always surprised about good players coming from small towns, but they have unlimited ice time there, and they played together all growing up. So it's easy to see versus the city players who don't get as much ice time due to overcrowding of teams. Point well taken. However, you got to put the work in, man. These kids at these small towns, they go to the rink. They probably have a key to the rink, a lot of them. Maybe the Duke, when you were young, did you go to the Delburn Arena and wherever? You're, I can guarantee you, you were playing outside a lot more than a lot of the city kids. Uh, oh, oh, like for me, like I started hockey a little bit later than a lot of my peers because yeah. most people in Canada, you like as soon as you can walk here in the skates. I didn't start till I was uh, already like six or seven years old, which is still young by any stretch. But you know, out on the pond, right in front of the house, uh, mm-hmm. every winter, it, uh, if uh, if it hadn't frozen enough to get the skid steer out there, I'd be out there with the shovel scraping off a small enough patch to get the uh, the net out and, and firing some pucks right in the yard. Uh, but yeah, there is the outdoor rink right in Delburn too, and it's uh, a little bit newer too. It wasn't there when I was growing mm-hmm. up. But it's it's well utilized now for sure, and uh, and like you said, like the thing about the small town rinks is that maybe if you don't like like you said, quote unquote, have a key, if you ever wanted some time or something, everybody knows everybody, so you yeah, just send a just quick, you, you get your dad or, or if you're old enough to give a call over to who does manage the rink, and they'll al- almost always be happy to let you in uh, late at night um, when you're kind of coming up and still learning things, and then once you reach the point of you know, being competitive enough. And if you do have bigger ambitions moving on to, like for us in Delburn, it was you you go to Red Deer and you maybe go start going to high school in Red Deer so your schedule is more flexible uh, to get more time on ice, whether it be with an academy, playing AAA uh, U18 hockey or, or moving on to, like there were several guys yeah. from Delburn who went on to play in, in yeah. the WHL, uh, Junior A, et cetera. A couple guys play pro, uh, Div 1 college. So it's like, uh, like Manus Man said, and that's that's why I'm not surprised by seeing this. It's just almost um, the the coincidence of the fact that there's two at the same age here at the same time. That's what's surprising yeah. and really impressive. Yeah, just the one year difference in mm. age between the two of them. Uh, Scott Ratzlaff, Jagger Fergus, we wish them all the very best as the uh, selection team uh, gets named after. Well, it would be tonight and tomorrow, and then the team will head over to uh, Sweden for some. Pre-tournament games, those are always interesting. And then uh, opening the tournament up against, uh, I believe, Finland on Boxing Day. So I'll have to check on that. I, I haven't really been – I didn't look at the schedule, but I think it could be. We'll uh, have that for you after the break. When we come back, uh, David Schlemko will join us, the former NHLer. will break down last night's 4-1 Oilers win and just get his thoughts on why and how the Oilers are on such a roll right now with eight straight wins. Before that, it is time now for a Sports 1440 update. And it's brought to you by Snow Valley Ski Club. Now open for the season. Be sure to support your local ski and snowboard shop and then get ready to ride the valley. Visit snowvalley.ca today. Here is the Duke. 